From Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal, and this is a Vine Pair Podcast Next Round Conversation. We're bringing you these episodes in between our regular podcasts so that we can explore a range of issues and stories in the drinks world. Today, I'm speaking with Nathaniel Davis, CEO at Drinkworks. Nathaniel, thanks so much for your time. It's a pleasure. Big fan. Oh, that's always good to hear. So let's start with a little bit about you. Um, how did you get into the beverage alcohol industry, and, and what were you doing kind of before Drinkworks? Um, well, I kind of grew up in the in, in breweries. I was uh, I was a brewer by background, brewmaster by training. Actually, my, my background's in microbiology, so I came in on the technical route. I, I worked at a big brewery at Anheuser-Busch, both at the, as a frontline manager making making beer in Fort Collins, and I started writing recipes and developing recipes. And that's where I spent most of a couple of decades in the industry was, was kind of at the interface between new product development, beverage development, um, innovation, and, and commercialization. Uh, ultimately, I ended up uh, leading um, the global R&D program for, for uh, Anheuser-Busch, world's largest brewer, uh, moved over to Belgium for a couple of years and then back to New York in that uh, capacity. And we were working on big, you know, big, uh, big innovation programs, uh, one of which was thinking about how to rethink dispense and, and, uh, and the whole form factor of beer. Uh, and it, that actually led us to the conversations uh, with Keurig eventually to form a joint venture. So mm-hmm. and it led directly to uh, the creation of Drinkworks. Yeah. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Drinkworks for those who aren't familiar, kind of what is it um, and and how does it work? Sure. Uh, Drinkworks is a, as a company, it's a joint venture. So it's a separate uh, independent company, but it's backed by uh, by Anheuser-Busch on one side and Keurig Dr. Pepper on the other. So you can imagine just the, the, the combination of alcohol beverages and technology. And that's been our mandate from the start to innovate in the space at the intersection between alcohol and, and technology. Now, of course, it's not specific to beer. It's more broadly multi-category, but really driven by technology and capabilities from the dispense and the appliance side of things where Keurig's expertise and background really comes into play. So Drinkworks our first product launch is the Drinkworks Home Bar, which is basically mm-hmm. pod-based cocktails and other beverages where you pop in the machine, you press a button, and you get a, a huge range of, of uh, cocktails, beers, wines, and, uh, and more. Okay. So I wasn't, that's, that's good to know. I wasn't totally sure kind of the breadth of offerings through the appliance. When... When this whole concept was being kind of developed and iterated, were there some cocktails or beverages more broadly that you felt like, you know, we have to be able to do this or else, you know, it kind of, what's the point? Yeah, well, you know, the the entry point really is you need a problem to solve if you're going to be a startup. And the problem is really anchored in cocktails. Cocktails, Mm -hmm. people love cocktails. They love to explore when they go out. But most of uh, most of us don't know how to make them. And even if we do, we don't have a, a huge, well-stocked bar. So that's the core problem that you're solving. It's a complex ca- category. It's, it's hard to navigate. It's full of ingredients. You have to have know-how in order to make it at home. So people love drinks when they're going out. They love, uh, you know, they can, they can navigate a menu. But we wanted to use, leverage the technology in order to allow people to do that in their kitchen, in their home bar, uh, at home, hosting with friends, uh, and so that's our, our entree point. So, so it's 
it's both variety, but you were asking about specific cocktails, generally cocktails that are a little bit more complex, mm-hmm. um, that have multiple ingredients that are, that are unusual, that people don't necessarily know. And then really it's not just any one cocktail, it's the full portfolio, the breadth and variety that, that, that uh, you're able to have that is uh, kind of the, the magic of the system. And how customizable are are the cocktails in terms of, you know, if it, I don't, I'm just going to throw one out there, but, you know, this, this may or may not be something that's offered, but, you know, hopefully it can be at least, um, you know, a good illustration. So let's say you're someone who likes a, you know, likes a martini, but you have a preferred amount of vermouth that you like. Is it kind of a, you're just kind of stuck with what what's in the pod? Like, how does, how does that sort of customizability work with, with the, appliance yeah i would say that we we go for convenience over customizability there's a little bit of customizability but we 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 battled customization with variety options uh rotating skews and lots of innovation it's really about we have found that especially our users value convenience above all even above customization right we're we're not speaking to uh an aficionado uh, and, and a home bar who has very, very strong opinions about whether it's dry or extra dry in their martini. They're looking sure. for variety. They're looking for interesting new flavors. They're looking for exploration. And so generally speaking, when we were doing the development, we found that interrupting and asking people, would you like it short or tall? Would you like it really sparkling and, and very effervescent or slightly more smooth? Just those kind of questions derailed the whole concept of push of a button convenience. Gotcha. And we, and we ended up designing the system for that subordinated a lot of that, that, that the options that we have for customizability into just simply a great tasting drink at the push of a button in 30 seconds. And so that it, we just simplified the, the offering and we ended up offer, if we want a sparkling margarita and a still margarita, we'll just launch them as two separate pods. That's I see. there's lots of optionality that we're opening up now because it's a connected machine with a downloadable app that opens up uh, options in the future to, to customize recipes as we really get our user base rolling and get feedback. Gotcha. Okay. So let's talk about some of the kind of, I, I'm just, cause I'm so curious about some of the challenges here. So, so again, mostly sticking with cocktails for the, for the time being, like, are there particular ingredients um, that have been difficult to, to work with? Yeah, let me let me explain kind of the the primary challenge that is the kind of the nature of the technology. The the what's going on with the system is you're entering you're you're, you're popping a pod. Everybody's pretty familiar with 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 Keurig. You pop in a pod. Mm-hmm. In our case, what's going on is your the the machine is pulling in water, chilling it down to near zero degrees, and it holds it. If the pod calls for carbonation, we have a mini. Um, a carbonation tank that'll blast carbonate on on demand. Then it'll pop the pod and, and blend it all together. So just so you understand the you know the okay. nature of, of of what's going on, our our pods are small. We've got two sizes. We've got we've got a fifty milliliter pod, which is the main pod, and we've got one that is twice that size. And we're making everything from a you know four ounce kind of uh, you know up Manhattan to to uh, a sparkling basil Tom Collins that is 10 or 12 ounces. So you get a range and a huge range of size of drinks out of a pod that is super tiny. And basically okay. what's going on is we have to, first of all, we're operating in concentrates, minimal water, uh, cask strength, uh, 
uh, you know, rums, tequilas, uh, still strength gins and, and vodkas. We do, we do our own, uh, uh, rectification, blending, sourcing, distillation on, on site. And then we, we reverse engineer cocktails okay. in a form that is highly concentrated so that the machine can do the rest of the magic of the final dispense, the final preparation, the final kind of shaking, blending, uh, carbonating uh, on demand. So it's kind of freshly prepared. So that's the that's one trick is you're dealing with limitations of stability, limitations of, of, of kind of super low water uh, version. So our margarita is... Cat Strings Tequila, a super powered, a super powered uh, triple sec of our own of our own making. Super powered meaning super low water, super high alcohol, uh, uh, highly concentrated, and then lime juice also in a in a in a concentrated form. Right, so that's the kind of thing that we're um, dealing with at the at the technical level. More specifically, citrus is is always tricky to get that fresh twist. Uh, note our teams are amazing at, at freshness. The background from brewing and keeping oxygen very low keeps it fresher than in any other um, uh, RTD type format I've ever I've ever seen. Um, but the biggest challenge is really navigating super concentrated systems and then thinking through how the machine is going to fix it because it's totally unique to this thing that we've created. For sure. So, so I'm very curious about two different things you touched on there. So let's start with a little bit about this idea of the, um, you know, these kind of very high proof spirits that are going in and also potentially, you know, very concentrated, um, you know, fruits or other kind of flavoring agents. You, you mentioned kind of reverse engineering the drinks. Um, do you find, and you don't have to be, you don't have to share specifics unless you care to, but are the ratios when you're making the pods kind of familiar to what a typical um, you know, what a typical um, bartender would be familiar with, or because there's so little water content, are you getting kind of different ratios of the ingredients than, than I might recognize from a standard recipe? Yeah, well, you'd have to, um, the, the, the way that we do it is we first make the, make the drink uh, that, what, that we call a gold standard. So we, we create, because obviously what's, what's, you know, there isn't just one Mai Tai on the planet. There's our version sure. of it. And you, you have to, we like to say we, you know, we, we um, find our gold standard and it needs to have an opinion, right? It needs to, it needs to, what's nice about a portfolio is you're not averaging and going to the middle of the road. You can, you can have a, you can have a little bit of an edge and a little bit of a, an opinion in each of the cocktails. So we decide what the profile is that we want to do and we make it, uh, and in fact, that's the that's the basis upon we upon which we we use to decide whether or not we'll launch a product. It has to meet or exceed um, in a blind taste test versus the fresh gold standard that we define coming out of a pot, which is super hard to do. So the ratios are the same, except that they're modified for once you start to take water out and deal with them in concentrates. Then the ratios of the concentrates would be different, but we deal with these kind of um, curious intermediates that are that are that are unusual, and then blend those. But net of the water, the ratios are the same. Gotcha. And I'm also curious. You know, this this prompted sort of another question within the cocktail category, right? Even within the category of an individual specific drink, the, you not only are there differences in terms of what someone might want in terms of um, you know their, their specific recipe, even if, or or ratio of things, even if they're not able to articulate that but you know the, the cocktail category has a, a long-standing tradition of kind of upselling right you know of here's a you know we, we make a manhattan and we can make it with a 
you know, well bourbon or a very expensive bourbon. Is there a range in the pods if someone wants kind of premium ingredients? Yeah. So, so I, I, you know, we had to decide very early. We knew that we were going to have a huge variety because it's basically table stakes is Mm -hmm. wanted to be when people buy into the system, especially if they're buying the machine, you know, there needs to be a huge set of choice and the expectation that there's always going to be new things around the corner. So we said, well, how can we help our users navigate a complex field of, of, of choices? And what we landed was, was let's use the bar menu because that's what people understand. It's in fact, the natural way that people uh, navigate cocktails anyway. So we've got collections that are kind of like the, the clusters that you'd see in a really comprehensive uh, bar menu. There are 40 cocktails, by the way, in our, okay. in, Very cool. in our system. So we've got classics that are, you know, a, a classic margarita, Long Island tea, mojito, um, uh, white Russian and the, and the like. And those are those are you know classics with a with with our opinion and our version of it. Then we've got you know seasonals that are coming in where we've got we've got spring sippers and a summer solstice collections or four cocktails a piece rotating through seasonally. We've got winter cocktails that come out in the in the fall. We've got a brunch collection that's just for uh, you know weekend mornings and more you know things like uh, like mimosa and the, and uh, and a morning margarita. We always stick a margarita in our. In our <laughs> And, 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 the, and, and so on. Um, and then we also, <clears throat> to answer your question about sort of choice and tiers, we, we partnered up with, you know, it was inspired by Keurig. Keurig is an open system where they've opened up the technology and brought in lots of different coffee companies. I think mm-hmm. that's amazing. And, and, we've, and we learned from them uh, to open up the system and open it up early. So we actually have a, the top shelf collection where we've, where we've got uh, several Brown Foreman uh, brands started with Jack Daniels. We've got Gentleman Jack in Manhattan. Uh, we've got Chambord, which we've done several several iterations. We've got a raspberry martini with Chambord. Um, we've done a Chambord Royale, which is kind of like a, 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 a well, a Kia Royale, but with with uh, with Chambord with the raspberry notes. Uh, Heredura Margarita. So you've got to step up. It's a more classic shaken up style, stronger tequila forward uh, margarita with Heredura as opposed to our the Drinkworks Classic, which is. Uh, more mainstream, a little sweeter, a little less t- uh, tequila forward, a little more bar sours than, 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 you know, one line, you know, in terms of its intensity. So, mm-hmm. uh, so you've got a lot of the, 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 the tiers and choices. And once we start to get brands in, it really does open up. We've got Elijah Craig and Heaven Hill has come up uh, and more to follow as we, as, we, as we open up the system. We've got a lot more people that we're talking to now. Very cool. And I'm curious too, you know, you were talking a little bit about, you know, these ideas of um, sort of, you know, uh, I guess you'd almost call them, you know, yeah, you said collections or, or kind of these pods of, well, that's probably not the right word because it's going to be confusing. Um, but, you know, these groupings of, of cocktails, when you are sort of thinking about and, and the team is thinking about what, what they want to add uh, beyond just sort of seasonality, which is obviously a big driver, are you kind of keeping a, a, an eye on what's trending in the cocktail space more generally so that if, hey, the Negroni has is, is become really, really trendy, well then, hey, we have to be able to offer people a Negroni through the system. Or like, like kind of how do you decide what um, what cocktails to add and, and kind of, yeah, where is that information coming from? 
A lot of it comes from, so for sure, we've got, you know, the landscape of popular cocktails. We're watching trends all the time. Um, we think of it in several ways because we're not seeking to launch four giant canned cocktails in lemon, lime, orange, and strawberry and go for mainstream and mass. We've, we've, we've got a huge portfolio that can cover seasons, occasions, and taste profiles. We think of our portfolio in one of those dimensions. Either we're adding, obviously, seasonality, in which case then you worry about occasions and taste profiles. But you're right that those keep everybody kind of engaged and interested and looking forward to the next uh, round. If we're looking to add in, we're always thinking about, well, where is there a hole where we might add interest, add value, add something, um, add, add some learning for our, our community that are, that are exploratory, uh, and then get the get the um, you know get the profile right that we can go in. Negroni is a great example. We and we we launched our Negroni, a chocolate Negroni with a with a, a bitter chocolate bitter because more or less trying to try to go after the brand name. Uh, you know, bitter in the system is is very very difficult to recreate unless you've actually you're actually using using it exactly. We wanted to take it in a totally different direction. It was. Too much for a lot of our users, I would say, mm. uh, of, you know, the bitter. I'm a huge Negroni fan. I pushed it, frankly. It's, let's go. Profile, let's go. And it was and it was uh, a limited. Uh, we, we use our limited time offers where we just come in and out for six, eight weeks. We try something, we get feedback uh, and they say, this is amazing. And then we put it into a collection or that was a dog for our users. And so I, I struggle sometimes with trying to impose my own tastes and my own interests into the portfolio, we, we listen to the people who use the system. They say, hey, this would be great if we had one of these. It would, you know, and there's you know, bloggers and our, and our user groups on, on social media that are very vocal about what's missing. That's an inspiration. And then we, we couple that with our own internal view of what's incremental to what we already offer. And, hmm. and, and in terms of palette, profile, um, size, degree of refreshment or intensity. There are things that are late night after dinner sippers that are winding down cocktails for 10 PM on Tuesday. And then there's just like a, like a Saturday afternoon refresher that's going to be big and bubbly. And, and you just want to look at the whole range of the portfolio to, to cover a week's worth of vacations. For sure. So, you know, since you've mentioned um, both the partnership with Keurig and also just kind of the, the obvious similarity to a lot of people, um, both maybe technologically and sort of use case in some sense, you know, one of the things that always made sense to me about the Keurig for coffee was ease, yes, and we've touched on that. And, you know, to some extent, the ability, uh, you know, the shelf-stable nature or much more shelf-stable nature than, you know, maybe fresh beans and, you know, just generally the lack of kind of effort that, that it requires from the user. But also price-wise, you know, there was something about, there is something about the Keurig where it fits in sort of somewhere in between inexpensive um, brewed coffee at home and maybe, you know, an expensive coffee at a coffee shop. So price-wise, kind of where do these cocktails sit, you know, sort of between buying the bottles and making the drink at home and getting a cocktail at a bar? Well, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right that, that the Keurig concept and, and a lot of the, the coffee experience kind of informs the way that we thought about creating the, the, the product and, 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 its, and its commercial aspects like, like price. So, so you're right that convenience is what's driving variety and quality 
um, is are the are the hallmarks of the Keurig system in coffee, and that's you know those are the same kind of uh, pillars that we that we um, stand on for the for the adapting that concept into into cocktails. And similarly, you're bringing you're bringing home in our case something which cannot be done at home. People do not have the, the, the bar and do not have the knowledge to make this variety of cocktails. And so there's quite a lot of value in there. And so there is this slight bit of, there's a premium to just the, the, the cost of the raw ingredients. As you say, if, a, if a, our, our pods tend to cost, depending on the size and pack between say 350, uh, most of them are $4 a, a, a drink. And uh, the top shelf collection are, are around five dollars a drink, okay. in the twenty-four pack, which is which is premium to the penny price of the raw ingredients. If you had the ingredients, didn't waste any, and knew how to make it, but it is a it is a dramatic discount to your local bar. You know that might be four or five times that price, depending on where you live in the country. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I, I think this is my last question, although um, it might prompt another one. So the other place, you know, besides just sort of uh, at home where we've seen a lot of, you know, implementation or people buying Keurigs and things like that is, of course, things like hotels where um, people want to have a cup of coffee in their room and don't want to necessarily order room service or go down to a, you know, to a dining room or a restaurant or whatever. I would imagine that there's a, a great potential here for a uh, in-hotel mini bar. Is that something that already exists? Is that in the works? Like how how are you kind of looking at that other dimension of uh, uh, installation site? I suppose. Yeah. So absolutely. So we designed the first product that you that you see um, really for the home for hosters at home people whether they're hosting themselves on a Tuesday people who like to elevate the experience and to and seek you know a more premium um, drink and a broader variety that than, than they can otherwise accomplish on their own but what we saw was it was getting pulled into the professional space or the away from home space maybe mm-hmm. internal jargon there um, offices right so basically any any place that uh, either doesn't want to have a fully stocked bar, doesn't have a fully stocked bar, doesn't want or have a trained bartender and wants variety and interest. It's a natural fit, but it's solving slightly different problems than, than it is at home. Offices naturally cropped up, very much changed in 2020 when the office, sure. you know, offices shut down. Um, other public spaces, lounges. So, so we got pulled into, for example, uh, at arenas and stadiums. We're in sort of VIP suites, lounges. Mm. We're in public spaces in hotels now. The machine is a bit large for a for a singular hotel. Although we've got, we're in boutique hotel kind of suites and and higher end. We're in a huge number of Airbnbs where people want to enhance and attract people. But hey. Yeah. By the way, you've got basically a a, a a home bar at your disposal with 20 different cocktails and you don't have to think, just press a button. It's perfect for kind of a nice feature at a at an Airbnb. And that obviously triggered, you know, follow-up and pipeline to go more dramatically into the into the away from home space, including hotels, you know, cruises and and offices and and uh, and the like. So it's a natural, it's a natural fit. It just solves different problems. And some of that will take slightly modified um, appliances. This actually prompted a question, which I can't believe didn't occur to me before, which is the other piece of, or another piece of home bartending or at home cocktail consumption that can be challenging for people is glassware. So how, how does the the machine work with um, the glassware that people tend to have at home? 
Well, I think you're you're hitting on the difference between the Drinkworks Home Bar system and say RTDs in a can, for example. Yeah. Right. So it's it is experiential by its name. I think of the whole cocktail category as experiential. And even though I'm simplifying the ingredients and the recipes that you that that you value the system if you don't know a, a million recipes, we're simplifying that. We're nudging and and teaching people about glassware and garnishes. So what we found is is our users are naturally hosters. They're generous hosters. They they have people over when they can. They they do it frequently and they think of a special occasion for themselves or for their partner as as kind of a sort of a hosting moment or at least the mindset, right? So they step it up. So they tend to have glassware. They tend mm-hmm. to they they tend to have, you know, a, a few options for glassware. These guys are not sort of deep deep experts. Uh uh, our, our, our user base and the, and and they tend to lean in when the time is right to to garnishes. That is a very simple entree into the cocktail world. A little bit of glassware and and some garnishes. Now you add ice into the mix, which is also you know, and we can we can we can teach people to be extraordinary hosts, but while simplifying a big chunk of it. So that's sure. the way we've thought of. We've, we're embracing glassware as a thing that people should learn about. Uh, we're very visual and constantly prompting about the appropriate glassware and the right and the differences between one and the other. Um, ice is a big thing that we're nudging on, you know, think about because you can do a lot of customization and modification at the ice level. And then the last one is garnishes and garnishes are a half step from a twist of a dash of, you know, a, a, a little splash. And suddenly you're in the customization world and you've taken mm-hmm. people on a journey of exploration on their own. And we, we, we find that sort of engages people, um, you know, completely. Very cool. Well, Nathaniel, thank you so much for your time. Really fascinating to hear about the, uh, the system. I know you, uh, you shook, showed it off to some of the folks at the VinePair office a couple of years ago. So it's, uh, it's a little bit familiar to the team, but uh, yeah, it's uh, very exciting. I'll, I haven't seen one in the wild yet, but then again, I haven't really been out of my house in, you know, 14 months. So uh, hopefully soon. That's <laughs> a pleasure. Thanks for uh, having me and thanks for the chat. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair's tasting director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.